and yes, I will re- be referring to it as ass class. Because <laughs> that's, that's what the you only way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to Mongeing Your Ears. My name is Corey. Helen and Gabriel are with me. Hi. And we are here to go a regular thing, talking about an old manga and a new manga. Uh, this time, we were talking about Yusei Matsui's Assassination Classroom, published by Viz, and then on the latter half, we were talking about Kamome Shigahara's Witch Hat Atelier. Um, but first is Assassination Classroom, which is about this junior high class, Class 3E, uh, who is the uh, lowest scoring, um, lowest test scoring class in this prestigious junior high school. Um, and they are tasked with assassinating this mm, being uh, that can move X speeds of Mach 20 and uh, cannot be destroyed or cannot be killed by uh, normal guns, but it can be killed by like essentially BB pellets that are special or something. Uh, also, and, he blew up part of the moon once. Oh yeah, yeah. He he blew up like I don't know 90 percent of the moon, and now he Not threatens. That much. To, <laughs> it was a lot of them. Uh, and now he threatens to do the same to Earth. Uh, in one year's time, unless this one class can assassinate him, and if uh, if anyone else learns about this, then he will just destroy the earth. Uh, your typical manga conceits, um, but this is this is a I think this is a very fun manga, ex- uh, extremely sports manga. E, I actually talked about it on Kaiku podcast earlier. What is uh, a sport? Assassination? Yeah. <laughs> this, what is assassination a sport? Well, they do several sports things. Are the things. Russians winning this sport? Yeah. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Uh, they even have Russians in assassination classroom. Um, yeah, it's it's extremely fun. Uh, fun manga for being about uh, a thing that's going to destroy the Earth and everyone has to assassinate them. Uh, but what do you two think? I remember... Uh... At one point, some of the folks from Viz, I think it may have been on their Shonen Jump podcast, said like publicly that this was a manga that would never get licensed in the U.S. since this was when we had a spat of more school shootings. I feel like now, honestly, we have more just like mass shootings in general. But at this point, it was like more school shootings. And then like six months later, they licensed this. And it was like, wow, you guys just had to eat crow there, didn't you? <laughs> and I think April will probably agree with me that Koro-sensei definitely seems like a better teacher than many of the teachers we had in high school. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would have to agree with you there. I mean, he's better than most teachers at all, I think. Uh, <laughs> he's also far more sane than many of the teachers yeah. I had in Catholic high school, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was writing personalized tests for each person. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, which is kind of absurd for uh, a teacher to do, but, I mean, I guess you can give it at Mach 20, so who cares? Or, like, the part of the conceit is that the students can and will try to assassinate him at any given time, but he's not going to harm any of them, which is also definitely more than I could say for some of the teachers I had. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, so I picked up this series before it was licensed and read it to the end, and it was a lot of fun, honestly. It is very good-natured in a lot of ways. It's got a fairly large cast, and it flushes out everybody, you know, at least a little bit by the end. Everyone has at least, you know, their specialty chapter. Um, so I'd only read the the first volume of this 
many years ago. So now I've read up to five. Um, and it was funny. Like, I'm not, I feel like I've said this before, said it several times. I'm not a huge comedy person, at least not in manga, but I, I like laughed several times <laughs> while reading this one. It's, it's pretty funny. Uh, and good natured and, and all of that. Some of some of the jokes land pretty well. It's pretty hard to get me to laugh at manga, and it did that several times. <laughs> yeah, I think this strikes a, a very good balance between um, sort of like shonen actiony type things and also shonen comedy type things. I mean, it's a, it seems like very typical jump, but it has much more a much more interesting conceit than a lot of them. And uh, the character work has Helen Sag is much better. Than uh, I would perhaps expect, uh, given how many characters there are, especially. I don't want to get people's hopes up. We're not talking about, like completely round characters or anything like that. Just reasons for why these kids have fallen into the lowest ranks of the classroom since they go to kind of a dick middle school, which has designated this sip homeroom as the one where all of like the failing students go and are just shat upon, etc., to sort of keep the rest of the school in line, like the. the I don't know. I, I keep wondering if, if the mangaka had like some bad run-ins with the school system <laughs> in Japan because it felt like some very pointed feelings about all of it. Yeah. And we do learn that since it is such an elite school, that for these students, even these students in the quote-unquote worst class, most of them are skilled in like one or two areas, like people who are good at science but not um, literature. So they are really smart, which is how all of them come up with these really innovative plans to kill the teacher, although you just have to look at the volume count to figure out that most of them are not going to succeed. Yeah. It does have 21 volumes, and even at 21 volumes, I wouldn't expect each character to have uh, have a personalized chapter like that, so um, above expectations, but certainly, like, barely above, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and as far as I know, the anime adaptation followed it pretty closely. I think it went all the way to the end, even, since it, um, the anime ended a little bit after the manga did. Uh, I wouldn't even say this is a series of a lot of twists or anything, which is a totally different change of pace from talking about Pandora Hearts last week <laughs> with D. Um, like, there's a couple of surprising character reveals towards the end, which I really do feel like were completely non-foreshadowed and just totally out of the fucking blue. <laughs> uh, and I also thought the reveal with Koro Sensei's eventual backstory was kind of bleh, like kind of typical, kind of predicted. I honestly wanted something a lot weirder. And this manga, I think he's done a lot weirder. He did, um, like, Hell Detective Nerube or something, which I think was a lot weirder. So I expected more there, but it wasn't unexpected either. And I thought that it ended in a good place. I think, uh, so when I was reading it, I think part of what makes it so funny is sort of the jokes kind of come from the premise itself. So, like, there will be jokes about, like, the ways they try to kill him or, or why the way that they try to kill him doesn't work and they make sense within the premise of the story I have no idea if that train of thought makes any sense but I feel like it made it funnier and when you try to describe the premise of the series to somebody else I was trying to describe it to my roommate yesterday it sounds ridiculous but it sort of works once you actually pull all the different pieces together and the jokes land well um, within the premise yeah it's a series that's both very silly and doesn't take itself seriously but it does take itself earnestly, I guess. Like, it's not... It, it's trying to get you to buy into all these characters with a wink and a nod that, yeah, the fact that these kids can basically ninja run on tops of houses by now, <laughs> that that's pretty ridiculous. But, you know, they're, they're good kids. You should care about them. 
And also, I think a lot of the humor also comes, especially when the kids go on like a school trip that um, Koro Sensei is just in some ways also very earnest about getting very much into the school trip. Like he creates it's like this 500 page travel oh, guide yeah. for all the students. <laughs> I don't know if that was in the section you guys read, but it even had like a chapter yeah. in there like how to avoid kidnappings. Yeah. Or if you've been kidnapped, here's what to do. Because <laughs> either he's crazily overprepared or he knows his students really damn well by that point. Yeah. His students would figure out how to get kidnapped on the school trip to Kyoto, I guess. Yeah, calling it earnest, I think, is a very good descriptor, uh, especially by the end of the series when you learn uh, why he has done basically everything. Um, just, like, uh, out of the goodness of his heart, he wants to have everyone assassinate him uh, and not destroy the Earth. It's not, like, it's not like he's doing this because he's a crazy maniac that wants to destroy the Earth or something. I mean, if he was, he probably would have just done that at the beginning of the series, and then boom. True. Yeah, yeah. But there are meanings behind what he's doing, uh, even if it doesn't really seem like it. Yeah, and the whole thing is that basically only this class and, like, a select number of government officials even know what's going on. So I'm trying to remember, did they ever say how they explained to the public how part of the moon went missing? Like, did they give an explanation for that, or...? I don't remember. I'm trying to remember now if, like, NASA is just like, what the hell, guys? What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> Since we do find out how exactly that all played out, etc. And I think they even just explain early on that Koro-sensei just has, like, really unkillable cells. They just, like, regenerate crazy pieces. Mm-hmm. For a series about trying to murder your teacher, it is very good-hearted. Yeah. <laughs> I can say this as an American, even. <laughs> like, also, wasn't expecting the the transfer student that is a computer. <laughs> I, that was that was weird. So. Oh yeah, I think I forgot about that. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of interesting transfer students. Uh huh. Well, I think that was the only. There's only like two. I think actual transfer students. I think like redhead kid was like on school suspension and then came back. And he's like, oh, we get to kill our teacher now. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. And he's uh, very excited about killing his teacher. You can also tell he's one of the main characters, since he has bright red hair, and we also have bright blue hair and bright green <laughs> hair, and those are like the main trio. Because yeah. everyone else has less bright hair. Uh, so do we want to give a spoiler action? I don't know. I don't think there's much of a spoiler. Like, people can probably guess that they probably succeed at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Earth was not destroyed, correct? Uh, that would be a real surprising <laughs> ending for a shonen jump. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that Shonen Jump hasn't gone that way before. Like, the ending of Siren is, um... Well, the ending of Siren was also really rushed, so... But the planet was still around for that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've I've just been reading, uh... Since we decided on doing this series, I've just been reading one chapter a night, basically. And oh, next... that's why you wanted us to only read five chapters at first. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I need to plan my stuff ahead of time. Uh, I started reading Witch Hat Atelier 18 hours before we recorded this. Yeah, I planned very well with it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this this is uh, just a very easily digestible manga for um, for that amount, and I haven't yet really felt compelled to, to read the next chapter uh, as I go along. But uh, I might continue until I reach the end. It's only 26 volumes. How long will that take me? 21. 21. 21 volumes. Yeah, I remember that I was watching the anime as it came out, but the anime was a fairly faithful adaptation, so I fell off of that, so... Um... If you are coming here having seen the anime, you're probably not going to get much more out of the manga, but you might as well try it since it's since the Shun Jump series. You can read it all on the Viz website for two bucks a month, and I think it's not much more than a hundred chapters, or you know, around that range. You can probably just binge the whole thing in two days if you wanted to on your seven day free trial. I could be completely wrong, but I 
think it was 185. I'm Okay, so you're going to need two days to do this then. Well, I only say that because I had um, I had a grand plan of reading this whole series. I'm like, oh, you know, it's fine. I'll do a volume a day before we record again. And I didn't do that, so I started it the <laughs> day before yesterday. And I was like, oh, it's really funny. I really like it. I'll read like 100 chapters in a day. It's fine. I'll have it done. I've read 40, so <laughs> I didn't quite get to 185, but it, it is fun to read. Yeah. There is yeah, they're short chapters, too, since it was a weekly series. Mm. Yeah. yeah, they're about 20 pages, maybe 20, 23 pages a chapter. Yeah, like typical jump length. And it is 185, good uh, memorization there. 180 is the <laughs> is the end of the story proper, and then it looks like there's five extra chapters. Like, I don't know what they're about, but uh, they exist. Ooh, I think I only read one extra chapter. I'm going to go look at this later. Uh, all right, Assassination Classroom, highly enjoyable, very earnest. Uh, Koro-sensei is a uh, taco uh, octopus-like being. It's kind of weird. Uh, shall we take a break? Talk about which I'd kill you? Uh-huh. All right, break time. Welcome back, and now for our current series, we're going to be talking about uh, Kanome Shirahama's Witch Hat Atelier series. Pro tip, we're not entirely sure how to say atelier, because I didn't take French, and those two other folks don't remember their French lessons, so <laughs> please don't add us if I got that pronunciation horribly wrong. And you definitely shouldn't, because this should not be putting you off from reading what is a very adorable so far series about witches. We have Coco, who's, uh, I think she's in her early teen years, she's still pretty young, and she's always been fascinated by magic ever since she was a kid. Um, she even got this book of magic spells once from a witch that she's never been able to read, but she always hopes that someday she's going to figure out how to practice magic. And uh, one day she very unexpectedly has a chance. Uh, there's a visiting witch, and he borrows her mother's workshop so that this witch, Quifri, can fix someone's spells. And Coco spies on him, which is very forbidden. You're not supposed to actually see witches working their magic and discovers that the magic isn't done with gestures or words. It's actually drawn. And that's when she puts it together that, oh, this was what was in the book that she was given years ago, this book of a pen. And so she starts trying to piece together these symbols and start drawing them. And Quiffery, who had been chatting of Coco before this, suddenly puts two and two together in the middle of the night, rushes over and just barely saves Coco from accidentally petrifying herself. But in the process, Coco has entirely petrified her only home and her mother. So that's a downer. And um, what Coco did was actually not a normal spell. It was a spell created by this forbidden sort of separatist group of witches. And so no one's quite sure how to undo it. And this group has been causing trouble for a while. But since Coco has such a good memory, she, sa she says, if I see this book again, I could remember it. I could remember which drawing it was and turn it back. And Quipri seems to have a bit of his own agenda as well, going against these um, separatist witches. I think they're called brimmed witches, basically, because the witch hat brim hides your face. I, I guess we're, we're being fanciful here. <laughs> and so in breaking probably all the rules of the witching world, he takes Coco on as his apprentice. She is now an outsider who has learned forbidden secret and is learning how to do spells on her own. 
And Coco is this very fun, enjoyable main character who has a very creative mind. And so even when she's faced with a lot of challenges, she can usually figure out what she needs to do with her so far pretty limited number of spells that she can actually draw. Since drawing is very important to make sure your spell works and doesn't, like, not work and, you know, accidentally petrify your mother. <laughs> and I just utterly adore this series so far. I read the first two volumes. Volume three came out the day we recorded this, I think. So I haven't read it yet. Yesterday. But the, yeah, the art is gorgeous. Um, Shirahane does so much detail work in regards to how the characters' clothes look and drape. Um, Coco actually moves like a child, honestly. Like, you'll sometimes see her sitting in those weird poses you do as a kid for your joints decide that, no, I don't bend that way anymore. Mm-hmm. And overall, I've just really enjoyed the series so far, and I want an anime just so that other people will find out about this manga and actually read it. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, that I, I want an anime of this one, and I'm sad that there's not one that already exists. Um, because the art is really, really good. Obviously, the story is good, too, but the art, I think, is what caused me to pick it up first. Um, it's really good. It needs to be animated at some point. Yeah, I think it's definitely getting more popular since there were a couple of statues of um, Coco that came out from Wandfest a few months back. Mm-hmm. It was so funny. I was actually with Corey and um, Corey's fiance Dana at Oticon when these came back. So Dana and I are sitting on a bed in a hotel room, you know, in someone's room party, just squeeing very loudly over these intricate <laughs> figures, which I would very much like, but would probably break my wallet. And so, Corey, I know this is your first brush of the series, but it seems like you've enjoyed it over the past 18 hours. Uh, yeah. I've... Not letting that go. <laughs> it's, it's going to be an ongoing thing as we continue podcasting. Uh, <laughs> I've, yeah, I've really enjoyed the series so far. Um, I found the, uh, I tweeted this, but I found the conceit of the series very interesting. Like, I somehow missed that, uh, uh, the the magic is done by drawings instead of by anything else, and I found that just incredibly charming and so interesting uh, that magic is done this way instead of, uh, you know, incantations or uh, sacrificing cow dung to some god or whatever. Um, Corey, what magic are you... What magic are you talking about that involves cow dung sacrifices? Like, what? I don't know. D&D magic. Oh, okay. Uh... But yeah, and Coco, Coco as a main character is uh, just incredibly charming as well. Um, I don't know how many times I've said that word now, but uh, she's uh, just her unbridled enthusiasm for magic is uh, so uh, refreshing, and uh, it just like keeps the story going even when it's like super grim or something bad is happening to them. She's just like that magic thing is very interesting, and I'm like, yeah, interesting, Coco. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Coco is all of us being exposed to this <laughs> wonderful new world. Yeah, mm-hmm. it. I think it helps to have the magic come alive through drawings because then you get the chance to show, like them trying to perfect the shapes or the size or how the placement affects the magic. Like that part was really cool, and I felt like something that they could only do because it was like drawing focus. I thought that was really cool. Like their spells would change based on how big or small they drew things, where they placed it, how it was drawn, whether it was shaky, like the type of line. And then to have that with a series that also has really nice art. I just thought that was cool. Yeah, and it allows for so much um, innovation on Sharahama's part when it comes to the plot. Since, mm-hmm. as Coco finds out very early on, since this magic can be done by anybody with the right ink and, you know, 
basic drawing skills, there was a time where everybody was using magic and it was being used for war and all kinds of other horrible things. So that's why the secrets of magic are such a big secret now. There was this huge effort to try and remove its presence from the world, basically, to try and control the damage it was doing. And um, also, uh, someone else pointed this out, but I thought it was a good observation. But we see in the second volume that if a witch is going to be casting in front of ordinary people, side note, even the guys are witches here, which is just a gender neutral term in this universe, um, they have to draw, you know, without their hands being seen, without people noticing what's going on, which is why they wear these loose robes. And that sort of feels like a nod to how in our world stage magic is mm. stagecraft and illusions, you know, it's sleight of hand, it's misdirection. And I know there's going to be a plot point, I think, later on where, no, I think it's already come up somewhat, that some of the band magics um, uh, were ones that would be drawn, you know, permanently on a person's body, sort of augmenting them. Yeah. Which means we don't have healing magic in this world, unfortunately. Not anymore. Yeah, they, but do, yeah, she, they do mention at one point that drawing magic, or drawing runes or whatever on yourself is illegal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just... Uh, Shirahama seems to have really put a lot of thought into the magic system. And normally when you say that about a series, it means there's a lot of exposition about, you know, the very details about how this magic works in fate, but this other magic works in a different way in the fate universe. But here it feels concise, clear, and logical. You can see where they started with these ideas and how they're going to affect the story going forward. Mm-hmm. So it's a detailed magic setting, but without extraneous exposition, if that is your thing. Not extraneous exposition. No one can see me, but I'm nodding. Because... I, I would because just put my I, thumbs up there, so... <laughs> <laughs> because, I, yeah, that's, I think that's the big thing for me, is that it feels logical. Not that I go into stories with magic, like, looking for that, or oh, this has to be logical, or I don't like it. But it's a plus in this series like the fact that it is just makes everything feel very believable and then there are other like situations that they get themselves in or plot points where where prior things that we've learned about the magic or that coco has learned about the magic play into that plot point and it still makes sense and like helen said you you can already sort of see later how that knowledge is going to still make logical sense when they have another plot point uh, that's something that i really that i really like about it, it I sort of read this one and was like, God, why didn't I think of that? That makes complete sense. But I just, I had never, it's just, I don't know. Maybe that's why I don't draw mod. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, and this is a dangerous world for Coco as well, since it's clear that um, while she may have been a random child who this book of Forbidden Magic was handed off to, now that she's used it, she has definitely gathered the attention of these brimmed hats. And so the end of the first volume involves her and her, um, fellow apprentices accidentally getting sent along into like this little pocket dimension to face down a dragon. Like there's real present danger for her um, quite often in this series. And so having a magic system that feels like it fits together where things aren't just being pulled out as the author needs them to, to complete the story definitely I think makes it feel like a stronger work. Yeah. And it does help that they, this is uh, a manga. And so like, either the first page of a chapter or like in between chapters they can have these little explanation thingies that don't feel very intrusive because it's not uh it's not interrupting a chapter in the middle of a story for a character to be like and this is how magic works or whatever uh and then like when they do have things where characters are learning about magic in the story it's like um 
Coco draws a line a little extra too, a little long, and then it goes off in that direction because the line is too long. Then later on, she applies that to something that she's actually doing when she's uh, taking a test against her will. <laughs> I did also like a number of the magical devices they show in the series, showing how even drawing magic on something will imbue it with magic. Although I think the most amusing of all of those is the toilet to the void. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Coco is very fascinated by this, wondering where the poop goes. I mean, honestly, if I was looking at my toilet and suddenly the inside of my toilet was just some sort of like sparkly universe <laughs> in there, I'd be pretty darn confused too. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's like a two-panel scene or not very long, but it's small scenes like that that help like build out the world. Uh, so I, I like bad about you because that really is like two panels and it just gives you an idea of like oh this is really different and it also like shows like coco's wonder at the new world so it's it's mm-hmm. we're able to see that at the same time yeah so in short which had Terlier is good it is cute uh i don't trust quiffrey yet partially because Andy's oh, no. conditioned me not to te- not to trust white-haired pretty boys. Like, it's conditioned me very strongly there. This is a white-haired pretty boy with three underage girls under his Four. purview. Four now, yeah. Thankfully, uh, I'm not worried about that part. I'm not worried about that part. <laughs> I'm worried about why is he so interested in these brimmed hat witches to the point where he is willing to break the rules to keep Coco around as his apprentice so he has this connection to them. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah. I'm not worried about, like, molesting his apprentices or anything. Like, no. Like, not worried about that part. I don't think it's going that way. No, I don't think it's going that way. I need to say, I'm not getting any of those vibes at all. I think we're good there, actually, for once. No. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, it's really very good. I mean, I really... The third volume came out yesterday, and I'm already sad that I don't have it. So it's really, really... Oh, I've been reading digital review copies for Kodansha, and so Justin has access to those as well. But he's been going out and buying his own physical copies because he wants so to... They're so nice. <laughs> and I definitely want to as well. Like, I, I want to have this in my position, you know, on paper in front of me. Although it'd be really nice if they were, like, hardback, extra mm-hmm. big, that acid-free paper. Mm-hmm. I've been reading the Pope plan recently, and I've been like, man, I wish more releases were like this, you know, nice and big. <laughs> It's the yeah. librarian in you. No, it's the archivist in me, because I look at all this paper and I'm like, oh, crap, all this is printed on fucking acid, acid paper. <laughs> oh, I don't want to that acid That's one thing they didn't teach me, because it's such a pain. Ah, everything's yellowing already. Ah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you should see the Tokyo Pop and CMX shelves that we no, have. You should, yeah. No one should see those anymore. <laughs> well, I've still got some of those. I've still got some CMX things that never got licensed rescued, like Two Flowers for the Princess, and it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. they have to just carefully interleave those facet-free papers someday. <laughs> but anyway, do you guys have any more closing thoughts, or do we all just want to get back to reading manga at this point? Uh, I love it. It's very cute. Yeah. The art is amazing. Yeah, there were some folks who were cosplaying Coco and Quiffrey at Otakon. They had like, this really detailed um, making-of thread on Twitter. I can find it and show it to you guys. And I think they took second place in, like, the master's division or something. And, like, they were, like, making their own shoes out of leather and everything. And it was like, ah, this is such goals. This is such goals. Oh, that's really cool. I want to see that. (laughs) I can find that for you guys afterwards. And we can put a link somewhere in the show notes. So with that, uh, if anyone wants to come and talk with us some more about Witch Hat Atelier or even Assassination Classroom, please feel free to reach out to us on social media. You can find the account for the whole podcast at Mong in Your Ears on Twitter, and you can also find the website for it. Um, we're still on the Taiku Podcast website, right? Yep. Yep, so taikupodcast.com. Wait, is that it? Yep. Taikupodcast.com. <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at WanderingDreamer. 
You can also find me co-hosting the other podcasts I do. Um, it's not my fault. The OASG podcast is not popular. You can also find me doing reviews, including for Witch Hat Atelier on the OASG. And hopefully not too long, or maybe even before this podcast episode comes out, you'll be able to hear my special takeover episode on Pandora Hearts, where I invited another big fan of the series, D from Jose Next Door and Anime Feminist to come talk with me for an hour about why we love this series that enjoys breaking your heart. Rereading all that series in a week was a trip. Oh, God. <laughs> my heart was not ready for it. <laughs> and where can we find both of you fine folks as well? You can find me on Twitter at Mangio Ren. I say it every episode, I'm still alive. So you can follow me there. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Compassionate K, tweeting angrily about various sports uh, or tweeting <laughs> about manga. Uh, also, if you have any suggestions for older manga that you want us to review, tweet about us at Monging Your Ears, and we will uh, almost certainly review it. Because we've never gotten a suggestion, and I'll just feel, uh, I'll just feel very heartwhelmed to get one. <laughs> you would be the first. Yeah. So. Well, until next time, folks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>